One sentence can have so much meaning. Can you think of a time in your life when someone said something to you that changed your circumstances? Maybe it was something in a relationship where someone said something that kind of changed the tide of where you were going. Maybe it was something in school where someone said, you passed. Can you think of a time when you heard a sentence, a, a comment, a declaration that for you was life changing? I invite you to just go ahead and turn to the person beside you, in front of you, in back of you, and share What's one sentence that comes to your mind that impacted you, that someone said? If you're joining us online, feel free to just comment there, um, whether you're on the Facebook live stream or wherever you're at, just to put the comment of your sentence there. But turn to the person beside you. What's a sentence you heard that changed your life? Any ideas? Maybe I can hear one or two from the congregation if you speak up enough. Any sentence that you heard? A few words. Listening? Yes? Two words that changed my life more than any word. I do. I do. Wow, that's a good one. And you're here today. I'm guessing this is, yes, <laughs> wonderful. I don't know if we could top that. So I do. Any other sentences? Any other words? Yes, Jesus loves me. Actually, we did find something even better because Jesus said I do, right? Jesus says I love you. Anyone else? A word, a phrase, a sentence that really impacted your life. I think of, oh, right here. We're expecting a child. <gasps> We're expecting a child. We're expecting. <laughs> yes. I can only imagine. That's a huge transformation, right? Everything shifts for you. I think back to a few years ago, nothing quite that exciting, but when I took my driving test, and I remember going through it, and it wasn't too bad, but there were one or two things that just didn't go quite right. And I came to the end and the lady that was there said something about receiving something or come inside and I followed her and I thought, oh, I'm pretty sure I did okay, but she didn't say the words. And so I, I, I said, um, did I pass? And she said, oh yes, you passed. And oh, that moment of just total relief, right? Of, oh my goodness, I passed. And that, that did change my life, right? Because now I can drive places, I can go places. But each of these phrases, whether it's you pass, whether it's benign, I do, I love you, can change our lives in so many ways, right? And the story I'm thinking of today that I want to look at in God's word has a sentence that someone said that is absolutely life-changing. But let's bow our heads and pray before we open up the word. Dear Father, thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you for your heart of love towards us. Thank you for making us your sons and daughters and adopting us into your family. Jesus, today I pray that when we read your word that 
the scales would fall off our eyes, maybe the glasses we've always used, and that your word would speak with living power because you're alive, because your spirit is here, and you would take it deep in our hearts right where we need it most. Thank you, God. Glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I'm in Acts chapter 9. And in Acts chapter 9, I just invite you to pull out your Bible, pull out your phone, whatever you're using, and turn there. Towards the end of the chapter, in Acts chapter 9, we come to verse 32. And this is still somewhat early on. We have the early believers. Jesus has gone to heaven. And they're having all kinds of experiences. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. And Acts 9.32 tells us a little bit about Peter. Acts 9.32. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found, he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. We'll just pause there for a moment. I don't know if any of you have been sick. Um, maybe some of you have gotten COVID, and so you were out for a couple weeks. Maybe you've had something happen in your life to where you couldn't get up. You couldn't get out of your bed for a day or a week. Maybe some of you a month, maybe a year. That's a deep place to be. That's hard. This man has been there for eight years, paralyzed, not able to move. At that point, I mean, he probably can't even really remember what it means. His mind doesn't even know, right, how to, how to even make that, that cognitive process happen that involves movement. He's paralyzed. This is his life. But verse 34, and Peter said to him, we don't even get a good morning, Aeneas. We don't even get a, I don't know, how are you doing today? He just marches in, and all that the Bible says is this, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. Can you imagine that? If you've been in the room, would you be a little bit nervous at that moment? Like, what does this guy think he's saying? This man is paralyzed for eight years. Even if something happened, even if he experiences something going on, how, how do you expect that to happen? And I reached out to Dr. Jeff Emdy, and I asked him, if someone was paralyzed for eight years and then they were able to move, what would that process be like? And this is what he said. Under normal circumstances, if it was somehow possible for the impacted nerves to be healed, it would require a long and slow process of recovery to overcome the joint contractures that would likely be present and to develop strength and coordination in the impacted muscles. One would essentially need to retrain the brain and muscles to work together again to perform simple to complex functional activities such as walking. So I know he put that in layman's terms. I still had to Google a little bit uh, what this all meant. But what I got out of that was, even if the muscle somehow worked, even though there would be something, right, where your muscle would have been replaced um, with a harder one that wasn't bendable and all this thing, you need total transformation. Your brain, after so many years of inactivity, doesn't really know. It has to retrain itself in how to even talk to your muscles so that your body can move. So this is perfectly and completely impossible. And when Aeneas heard that Jesus Christ heals you, rise and make your bed, I think it would have been easy for him to kind of blink a couple times 
or say, um, me? How? How do you expect me to do that, Peter? I'm not like you. But this story is very short. All that God's word says is, and immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Aeneas heard the truth that was spoken over him about Jesus and about who he was, and he believed it. It didn't matter who he was, how he felt, whether he felt like he was healed or not. He believed it, and so he acted on it, and he rose. Incredible story, beautiful story. I've read it before. Maybe you've read it. But I'm wondering this morning, as I look at what Peter said, could it be that there is something that Jesus Christ has said to each one of us that might be just as transformational and just as transformative as Jesus Christ heals you, rise and make your bed. But maybe some of us today are still lying in the bed, thinking we're paralyzed when we've been healed. Today I wanna go back to Romans chapter eight. We were there last week, Romans chapter eight, And if you remember, what we discovered last week, we're in our series of what it means to live in the Spirit, living in the Spirit. Last week, we talked about the spirit of adoption and how he cries out with our spirit that you are a son, you are a daughter, you are a child of God. But earlier on in the chapter, I want to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 5 right now. Romans 8, 1 through 5, hopefully you're all there. And it reads... There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. We'll pause there right now. Paul starts out and he makes a big, bold statement. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So let's break this apart a little bit. What does that mean, those who are in Christ Jesus? Kind of a nice little phrase. What does that mean? The Bible is full, I think, of explanation of that. But let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's use God's word and see what is he saying here. So go past Corinthians Go to Galatians, then Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14. I love this whole chapter. You should read the whole thing. But Peter is, sorry, Paul is talking to those who first heard the word of God. He's talking to Jews. And he says in verse 12, we were the first to hope in Christ. We got to see Jesus. We got to experience him. But then he reaches out to a wider audience in verse 13 and 14. And he says, in him... You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. 
I read it in NIV and I thought it, it just stated a little bit more clearly. Let's, let's read it there. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. If we still have it. Yes. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, guess what? When you heard the gospel, when you heard the good news that Jesus saves you, the Father sent Jesus, what he did, his perfect life, and you believed, you were included in Christ, and you were given the gift of the Holy Spirit at that moment. So Paul is saying here, those who are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation for you. You're identified with Jesus. You're a part of his family. You belong to him. You're called by his name. He claims you. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So as we look at this passage, and you keep reading in Romans 8, in the part that we just read, we see two paths, two mindsets, two different ways to approach our walk with God. See if you can find them. And they're right in verse 2 and the rest of it. On the one hand, we have the law of sin and death. And then we have a word that keeps coming up again and again, flesh. And then, on the other hand, what does he say? The law of the spirit of life and the spirit. Two ways, two paths, two mindsets. What does it really mean? We're still here, Romans chapter 8. Let's start with the law of sin and death. What is that? Well, let's go back a couple verses, a few pages, to Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. Romans chapter 3, verse 20, it talks about God's law, and it says this, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Think back thousands of years ago to that moment when the law was given. The Israelites, and if you haven't heard of them before, they're God's people, a special family that he said, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to show the world how much I love them. But I'm going to, like, especially use you in that way. So this family, Israel, Israelites, they're out in the desert, and God says, I'm going to reveal myself to you. And so they come to this time, he says, consecrate yourselves and stay away from the mountain and all this. And his spokesperson, Moses, goes up on the mountain and he talks with God. And God gives the Ten Commandments. And that day is so powerful. And he says, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of slavery. And he shares all these things, all these ways that he asks us to relate to him. Laws that are for his glory and for our good. Laws that help us, right, to live a better life, a, a, a happy life, a healthy life. And there's lightning and there's thunder. And the people are terrified. Oh. God is here. He is here and he's talking right now. And they're so impressed and they hear the laws and it makes sense. And they're so eager. And they say to Moses, well, tell God everything the Lord has said we will do. We will obey. Yes, we want to be God's chosen people. And so he tells God and they move on. And it's so impressionable, right? It's like a mountaintop experience. But it's not even a chapter or two later when what do we find? What are the Israelites doing? Yeah, they forget. They said, we're going to follow you. We're going to follow the law. But then they completely miss the mark. 
And the next hundreds of years, we see the same story repeated, where they'll come around and they'll be like, yes, God, we want to follow you, we love you, we want to walk in your path. And then they get distracted and they start going another direction. And it really all ties back into what Paul is saying in Romans 8, because he keeps saying the flesh, the flesh. And he says to set the mind on the flesh in verse 6 is death. Well, what's the flesh? How many of you have used that word in your last week or last month? Yeah, probably not very many, right? We don't use that word very much. Different versions have different ways of saying it. But I really like how Jesus described it in John 6, 63. In John 6, 63, he says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. And the message version says it this way. The spirit can make life. Sheer muscle and willpower don't make anything happen. Or the NLT, human effort accomplishes nothing. So we like to try really hard, right? But in the end, ourselves without Jesus, it's a dead end. It doesn't matter your personality type. It doesn't matter how you grew up. It doesn't matter how hard we try. This path that he talks about, living in the flesh, it's death. Because the law shows us, right? It shows us sin, and it shows what sin deserves is death. And when I'm living in my own power without God, that's a hopeless way, right? I feel bad, and I feel condemned, and I feel shame and guilt, and man, God, I'm so sorry. I'm going to try again. Man, Jesus, please give me a new heart. Okay, okay, here I am. Let me try again. And I try again, and I fall, and I fail, and I fail. And it's really discouraging, especially when I look around, and I see people who seem to have it together, and they seem to be doing things really well. And they look like a really good Christian, and I'm saying, what's wrong with me? But there's two paths. There's the law of sin and death, living in the flesh, by myself. But then he says something else. He says there's another way. The law of the spirit of life. Verse 9 is really encouraging. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. This is amazing. See, for thousands of years, people looked at God and they thought he was really far away. God, he's up there somewhere in heaven, I don't know, miles, thousands of miles away. And they related to him in that way. And then Jesus came, God made flesh, and he showed us the heart of the Father, and he walked among us, and we said, wow, that's amazing. God can actually be with us, God with us, Emmanuel. But it gets even better. When Jesus said, I have to leave, his disciples said, you do? Oh, God, we're going to be so lonely. It's going to be so hard. He said, actually, it's better for you that I'm leaving. You know why? Because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he's actually going to live inside of you. So now, instead of God being far away to God with us, now it's God in us. Jesus said, I'm going to live in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what this says. You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
And he said, if Christ is in you, Colossians 1.27 says it super clearly. It says there's this mystery, this incredible thing. And guess what it is? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you know that Jesus lives inside of you? Do you know that the Spirit lives inside of you? When you heard the gospel and you believed, (laughs) then God came through the Spirit and he lives in you. You're marked in him with a seal. But it gets even better. What about this law thing? How does this all play into it? Because we're still supposed to do the right things, right? And and the Christian walk, and, and what does this look like? What are you saying? Well, guess what the Holy Spirit does? Let's look at John, sorry, Hebrews 10, 15 through 16. Hebrews is a little bit farther on. We're not to Revelation yet. Hebrews 10, 15 through 16. And in this chapter, it talks all about the sacrifices and the system and what the Israelites experienced and how they'd offer sacrifices again and again. And then how Jesus came and how he's our perfect high priest. Hebrews 10, 15 through 16 says this. And the Holy Spirit, actually I feel like I want to start in verse 14. For by a single offering, he, Jesus, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Wow, Jesus offered just one offering. He declared, and guess what? Verse 15, the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. See, when God lives in us, it's not just, wow, Jesus lives inside of me, the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit actually writes his law on our hearts and on our minds. So now, instead of me being over here, oh man, the law is something outside of me that I'm trying to reach for and I'm, and I'm falling and failing and tripping and tumbling, that now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I've been given a new heart. And so God's law is inside of me. And so I actually want to do what God wants. And when I don't, I feel bad because that's not the heart I've been given. I've been given a new heart. That's what I want to do now. So if I do something else, it's like, oh no, that's not me. And then God reminds me because of that new heart, because he's written his laws on our hearts and on our minds. God's word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The spirit is freedom. The law of the spirit of life has set you free. That's past tense. It's accomplished. It's a verb. It's happened from the law of sin and death. Two ways, two pathways. Sometimes we see them in our Christian walk, right? The flesh, the law of sin and death. And I think of it this way. If you take your hands and you press them together really, really hard. Some of you may have done this. Some of you maybe have a gym that you go to or something and over COVID you couldn't go. So maybe you're looking on YouTube. What can I do? Different type of calisthenics, strength training. Okay, so push really, really hard and you can start to feel this is what it's like living in the flesh and the law of sin and death. You are pushing and you are trying so hard and you look around and it's like, why do I keep messing up, Jesus? I want to do the right thing guess what? There's something called the law of the Spirit. And do this. That's what Jesus does. He sets you free from this. You don't have to experience this. Because instead of this striving, 
Now it's surrender. <laughs> now it's, wow, it's you doing it, Jesus. It's not me. Do you believe that you've been set free? Do you really believe it? Are you walking in it? Are you living in it? What are the things, when I ask that question, that come to your mind? If I say, are you free? Are you living in freedom? Well, you might say, well, um, there's this thing and I keep, ugh, I keep doing it. And I just, it's like I'll do it and I'll confess it and then I keep messing up and it keeps coming up again. So I don't really know if I'm free. Or, you know what, I keep having this mindset and it's just, it's not, it's just really unhealthy and I feel like I'm really stuck in it. It's something from the past. Maybe it's something that has been done to you. Maybe it's a way that you have sinned, right? Oh man, I did this thing, it was so bad, or I keep doing this thing. Could be an addiction, right? We all, we, these things are real, right? Maybe it's a way someone has sinned against me and it hurt me really bad. Maybe it's fear. And I just, man, I'm just, I'm stuck in this place. What are the things that when I say, are you free, are you living free, that come to your mind? The story is told of a man who was walking around a country and he came around the corner and he saw this enclosure, not really an enclosure actually, he saw this, this sign for uh, an animal exhibit and he came around the corner and in the exhibit he sees these uh, several very large elephants. Now I'm trying to remember how much an elephant weighs. We talked about elephants last week. I, probably a thousand pounds at least, a ton, right? Great big huge elephants and he sees them and he's just marveling at them. And then he notices down at the elephant's back leg is a little tiny rope, just about this thick, okay? It's not very big at all. And he looks at the rope and he looks up at the elephant and he's like, something does not measure up here. Because that elephant is so powerful, it could just break out of that rope right now. And so he goes over to the trainer and he's like, um, excuse me, I just have a question about these elephants. Is that really the only thing? Is there some type of electric shock? Like, what, how are they really staying chained to that post over there? And the trainer said, oh, see, I got these elephants when they were babies. And when they were little, they had this rope and it was enough to hold them. And now, yeah, you're right. Those elephants are way stronger than that. But they still believe that they're stuck. They still believe that they're held, that they're tied down in that way. And so these elephants keep on living their existence, being chained when actually they're free. You see the similarity here. Romans 8, verse 2 which I just got out of and coming back to. <laughs> Romans 8 verse 2 says, The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We walk in freedom. Freedom in Christ is not dependent on a behavior, but on a belief. It's not what I did, it's what Jesus did for me on the cross. It's not dependent on my feeling, on whether or not I feel free today, on whether or not I did everything perfectly. It's not based on a behavior, but it's based on a belief. 
Because Jesus said, I set you free. He said, you have freedom, but am I living it? Am I believing it? Well, you say, well, if you really think that, well, what about sin? Well, what about, does that mean you're just gonna go do all these kinds of things? When the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have victory. Because now, instead of being trapped in shame and condemnation and, oh, man, I did it again. That's just me. I'm so stuck. Now I say, "Uh uh-uh, that's not my identity anymore. I don't live there anymore. I'm God's son. I'm God's daughter. And he set me free from sin. So is it still possible to sin? Yeah, it's still possible. But when it happens, I'm not stuck in this cycle. I'm not trapped because I'm free from that. I'm dead to that. I'm walking in the newness of life that Jesus has given me. We read a story at the beginning where Peter says to Aeneas, Aeneas, Jesus heals you. Rise and make your bed. That's our invitation today. We've been given freedom. Are you going to walk in it? Are you going to believe it? Are you going to listen to the lies of the enemy saying who you are, saying the cycle that you're trapped in? We're going to have a song now. So beautiful, it ties right in. God does his thing. And during this time, I just invite you to resonate on that and to thank Jesus. Look back at the verse if you need to. Thank Jesus for setting you free.